welcome to another episode here of the Dropkick Basement, uh, presented by uh, myself, uh, your host, Mike Madden, um, and my co-host, uh, the gimmickless, uh, Tommy Schultz. Tommy, how's the, uh, we're in the middle of the summer. Um, how's the summer treating you so far? The summer couldn't be better. I uh, just came back from vacation and uh really wish i was back there yeah so you know <laughs> yeah good good old summer and uh the summertime reminds us of some of the uh the biggest and uh most successful moments in uh in wrestling history that's for sure i agree yeah we uh during our our pre-production meeting uh we labeled july as nwo month um and we're right here at the end of july we're getting this in under the uh Right under the wire to uh, to talk about uh, a little bit of NWO history, um, you know, to chat a little bit about what could have been, um, kind of a reimagining maybe of, uh, of of some of the issues, some of the some of the storylines that went into it. By the way, if anybody's looking for uh, for Certified Five, uh, Matt Geiger, uh, so are we. Um, he's uh, he's we not in studio. Missing poster today. Missing he's on the side of your milk carton. That's right, missing person. So uh, so f- uh, feel free to uh, to hit him up on social media and tell him how much you miss him on the uh, on the Dropkick Basement episodes. Um, hopefully, by the time we get to the end of the summer or the early part of the fall, Matt's uh, you know back on the microphone and helping us out. Um, but this is uh, this is a pretty uh, uh, you know Tom driven episode here. So. Uh, Take us through some of the thoughts before you even get into the to the details of it. Some of the thoughts of uh, the NWO, the history, the the time frame of when those guys uh, took over the pro wrestling world in your mind. So, so in my um, wrestling bubble, I was you know as a, as a kid, I was I was mainly a WWF guy. You know, <laughs> that's what I grew up on. That's that's what I was accustomed to watching, and. Right around the time that Hogan jumped to WCW is when I really, you know, started paying attention there. Mm-hmm. But yeah. when Hogan jumped, I don't know. It just felt flat. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When he was in WCW, um, it was it didn't have the same luster that it did in the WWF. And so I was kind of, you know, I wasn't really tuning in very much. And then I was on vacation. Uh, in Long Beach Island with my family. Yeah, shout out LBI. I made sure that my dad brought his little cheater box so that we could watch <laughs> Bash at the Beach 1996 All right, right. while we were away on vacation. And God damn it, that Hulk Hogan. He brought He's you a back. a bad guy now. He brought you back. He, he brought me all the way back. Mm. Um, I just couldn't believe it at the time. And now when you look back at it, with 2020 vision i don't think that there's ever been a turn that's even come remotely close no i mean it it changed wrestling forever not only because your all-american hero is now the face of this de facto group but the you know, what was for years the number two, but a really far distant, yeah, yeah distant yeah. number two is now jumping what 
everybody thought would be, you know, the number one wrestling company for forever. Yeah. And yeah. so not only was the shock of, uh, you know, Hogan becoming a bad guy, like jolting, but now you're paying. Now I'm full fledged. I'm Nitro. Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm, yeah. Yeah. I'm watching both. I'm all in on WCW. And so mm. it's really changed the way that I looked at wrestling because there was never anything that shocked me the way that this did when I was a kid. And now looking back at it, it's just, it's maybe the best. I mean, it, it did run its course fairly quickly um, mm -hmm. in terms of when you, you watch it back. But, you know, it's it's the biggest moment in, in the history of the business, I think. So this is, yeah, I mean, and, and I think I'd, I'll agree with you on a lot of points. Like, it's the best turn. Uh, it's an out-of-nowhere situation. Um, you never, I mean, you could kind of see where, you know, the fa the actual, like, tried-and-true WCW fans were not having Hogan in the South, right? Oh, no. And, um, and it's always like a, well, what if scenario, but then... But it's like, well, what if? But nah, he he'd never do that. There's a lot at stake. He's the that, he's the franchise exactly. of their company, and so for it to actually like take place to go down that way, and for it to be as good as it was, especially when it first started, yep. certainly leads a lot. Like that, that's where it's like, um, if this was, you know, a year earlier, and you didn't have Hall and Nash there, obviously that's that that might have been a little bit flatter and, and it might have turned a lot of people oh, yeah. off and it's like well who cares but i think there was there was an excitement it hit mainstream this was like a you know not a sports center moment but it was the type of thing that like you know they talked about on like morning talk shows oh yeah. you know and they covered in uh you know certain newspapers and and you know especially ones that had wrestling columns and and had like a lean towards like you know at least paying attention to what Hogan was doing um, that had recognized that he was in WCW and, and all this other stuff. So that's, you know, that, that certainly is, is something I remember. And again, even me going back, like, um, cause I'm a, a trifle bit older than you are. Um, I briefly had a little bit of uh, Hulkamania. Uh, I got over yeah. that really fast because <laughs> there, were, there were far more people compelling in the WWF at the time, but still just to see like, this is the Hulk Hogan, of the the red and the yellow and the the you know uh yeah he was kind of an asshole to his friends um and certainly like <laughs> you know maybe there's another scenario like where somebody would have been like listen hogan's being a real dickhead to uh to randy savage um, yeah right and he's grabbing his squeezes uh butt all the time hashtag uh, heenan was always right yeah right <laughs> Um, you know, maybe we shouldn't like, uh, you know, trust in him all that much, but the way that he was portrayed and then, then to do like a complete 180, um, interestingly enough, I think, you know, it made Hogan far more appealing until you watch them in the ring again. And it was like, all right, he's just, you know, he, now he's just outright cheating instead of like, yeah. you know, behind the referee's back, like, you know, poking somebody in the eye or throwing exactly. salt in their face. Um, so yeah, for that uh, for that time frame, it certainly was uh, something to bring you back, something to to, to kind of get the uh, WWF fans that were out there like reinvigorated and and kind of say like, all right, well WCW's got something going on, you know. Uh, and not only let's that, but out. like the way that they introduced Hall and Nash, where mm -hmm. like 
Hall comes down through the crowd in like plain clothes. Oh yeah, yeah. And kind of just interrupts a match that's in the middle of happening, and just you know cuts that promo. Mm-hmm. You know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here, yeah, and all uh, that shit. And it's like the way that they did it was so perfect that as a younger kid, I'm looking at it like, whoa, that's Razor Ramon. Mm-hmm. He's WWF. He's not supposed to be on the show. Like, what, what's going on? Right. Yeah. So that you really like. Kids buy into it, but then, like the older people are like, "Oh shit, this is, this is something that we've never seen anything like this yeah. before." Yeah, this is this is. It looks like an invasion. It feels like an invasion, and goddamn it, if this is going to be like the way that it's going to go, like I'm sticking around to watch yep. this, and you know, and Hall and Nash are cool wrestlers, and and they had the cachet of being top guys in WWF three months before that, and then here they are, like front and center. Um, for something that's brand new and something that made, uh, you know, again, made WCW, which, again, was it had its merits. You know, early Nitro. Oh, yeah. Early Nitro, uh, I think they had a little bit of momentum, like in the early part of 96, especially the undercard stuff. Mm-hmm. But then when you had cool stuff that was starting to seep into the main event and it wasn't the same old shit over again, then it was like, well, you know, now we're gonna, you know, now we're gonna see what direction this takes us in, and and how this becomes something. But, th- you know, we're not just gonna look at the history and and you know pat them on the back for this. Dropkick Basement is all about rewriting history. So, um, from, uh, you know, from your perspective, how would you make it different? Take it away, Tommy. So the thing is that I don't think you could make it better. Because there's just, I mean, it was pretty much as perfect as could be. However, there was a very real chance that he said no to doing it. Oh, yeah. It yeah. took a lot of convincing, uh, you know, from the stories you hear, it took a lot of convincing for him to actually go along with this idea. So yeah. up until almost the day of, from, you know, the stuff that you, you hear and you listen to, um, it might not have happened because he was you know he was like i've i'm you know this is gonna tank me i have a tv show i have i have a tv show make a wish stuff yeah yeah my merch won't sell you know all that kind of stuff so Mm -hmm. um there 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 was a possibility that it wasn't gonna happen so i came up with five five scenarios Mm -hmm. in which Hogan says no. Who do who is the third man and where does it go from there? Okay. All right. So I'm the ready. first is, you know, um one of the more logical and it's Sting. Yeah. Yeah. Now in that situation, you're really not gonna see it coming because Sting is in this match opposing Hall and Nash. And mm-hmm. Right. There's no there's no tie from Sting to Hall and Nash. Not so really. No. This this no. would be this would be a mo- a way in in the the scenario that I, like I came up with. You this kickstarts the Crow Sting era. Oh, so okay. there isn't right. these months of brewing like brooding and. He's slowly turning. Mm-hmm. This is kind of like a drop the ball. Like, ball drops, boom, Sting. On Monday night, Sting comes out with Hall and Nash. He's 
crow sting. He's in his crow. Okay. Because I mean, that's another uh, another person that I mean, aside from uh, you know his early career, Sting had never in WCW been like the heel. No, you know? no, no, no. He so was. So that would be for WCW fans, especially. That's a shocking moment. That's a big shock. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what's funny when you say that, like he's Crow Sting from the beginning. Uh, I believe Crow Sting was the idea for that was given to him by Scott Hall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was like, check so, out, the, you know, the, look at this character. It's dark. It's it's something that's, you know, you could really like, you know, kind of change the perception of what Sting is. Now you're a vigilante rather than being like the surfer and the, you know, beating your chest and owl. So that would be interesting to see. Now, the question that I have, and again, this this all goes back to, um, I guess, when, like, Hall and Nash first got there, the first confrontation, the first guy that they actually uh, met face-to-face, Scott Hall met face-to-face at the end of that show, was Sting. Yes. Um, is there any inc- inclination there that he's going to, you know, be convincing him to join their side, or is that just you leave it the way that it is and I mean, it's ambiguous? That, there, <clears throat> because, I mean, so it, it it does come later on, and this is after the Hogan turn, <clears throat> where the insinuation that Sting is turning. Mm-hmm. So if you move that situation up, because you, so you look at the timeline, Hall comes in May. Yeah. Uh, Nash comes, I think, like two weeks later. Yep. Which is June. Let's say it's early part of June, right? They do they in the early June. They do the the gimmick where you know they powerbomb Bischoff at the bash. Mm-hmm. So if all throughout them coming along, <clears throat> there's this notion that okay, there's a guy within the company that's going to turn, and people start pointing the finger at Sting. Yeah. Yep. So, so that is how. The, the scenario that happens down the line that kind of turns him, I would, you know, kind of like copy and paste that yeah, yeah earlier on instead to where, you know, that's how you, you know, slowly you, you start to make the insinuations. But, you know, he's he's insulted by it. As the, the right. First yeah. How dare, how, like I'm the you know, exactly. I'm, I've been the guy here since the beginning. You know, we built this place together. Uh, you know, why would, you know, Luger, why would you insinuate Macho? Why would you, ins- you know, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Like what, what, what later became uh, the, the impetus of, of cr- like, of, of Crosting. Crosting. Yes. And um, it's a shame though, because uh, that would probably deprive us if, uh, if Sting joins the NWO from the beginning, we wouldn't have imposter Sting at all. The, oh, co- the Cobra Jeff Farmer would still have to be an undercard guy. <laughs> he wouldn't. Have been. Well, now now you have the chance to have Imposter Sting be the, the face Sting. Oh, so you have yes. fake Sting come in as no, I've got, ba- yes. a baby face surfer Sting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good, good. At least he doesn't get buried. So, uh, <laughs> so okay, all right. Uh, get back to to where you were going with this one. All right, so, um. Okay, so so that that was the first scenario that I you know we have Sting, lifelong WCW guy, mm-hmm. turns his back on the company and joins the 
um, the uh, the defect the defectors from the WWF. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To take over the company. Now this is, you know, it's like a war from within. Yep. Kind of deal. Yep. All right. The second person, and this was another person in the match, and that's Luger. Right. right. Now, in the, you know, in the um. In the course of this match, he gets hurt, quote unquote, mm-hmm. and he gets stretchered out. So now it's just Sting and Savage against Hall and Nash. Mm-hmm. So you have Luger, he's fighting off the yeah the match goes on. He's fighting off the uh the EMTs to get back to the ring. Well uh Luger, he's 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 back to save WCW. Oh hell yeah throws Savage into the rack. When he's cutting the promo, now this cuts back to September 1995. 95. Luger leaves WWF when his contract expires. He was not released. His his contract just expired and shows up on the first Nitro. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. And everyone was shocked by that. So now he's cutting a promo you thought that I was back here to save WCW. Uh, yeah. Guess who sent me? Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like that okay. kind of deal where it's like, All right. like he's, he was like he a, was the, uh, he was a, the, a double agent. He was the first. Right. Exactly. He's the first double agent. And, and, he, with, and now you pitch it. You almost pitch it like these guys. I mean, obviously, you can't say it because there's going to be legal ramifications. But now you you continue to pitch this as these are three WWF guys yeah. here to take over WCW. Right, right. It was a coup, it was a coup from a year ago. Exactly. That they and slowly implanted themselves. And he came back because prior to leaving, him and Sting were best buds. Mm-hmm. And now he, he comes back. He befriends Sting again. The two of them become tag champs. They're right. all together. Boom, turns his back on Sting. And Luger was a piece of shit to begin with, like winning because like he had that uh he had that that partnership with Sting where they won the tag belts, but he also had turned on uh he joined the Dungeon of Doom for a little while. Yeah. And he was with Jimmy Which Hart. Was weird. I know. <laughs> Believe <laughs> I, me. I always try to forget that. <laughs> but he was he had that never ending feud with uh with Savage and he was always sort of like Again, for lack of a better term, he was just like this sort of like aloof, arrogant version of Luger where he was like, oh, no, the fans are the fans have got it. They have our backs. Everything's great. Right, yeah. fans? And then two minutes later, he's the one that's cheating in the match behind Sting's back. So I think, you know, again, you make him a little bit more serious by doing this, but it's still it's not too far off the breadcrumb. And, and you could certainly have people like Dusty on commentary or Shivani saying like, I knew we shouldn't have brought this guy back in. Yep. He's poisoned to this company and, you know, screw you Lex Luger. And it really like it 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 falls into the uh the same kind of story you're trying to tell with Hall and Nash where mm-hmm. these two guys they left to become a bigger name elsewhere. Yep. And now they're coming back to take over the place that didn't do them any favors. That's right. That's right. And we exactly we all became bigger people elsewhere, and now we're back here to to destroy from within. Yep. My only issue with that one is, I think the NWO would have fizzled out very fast, just because 
and again, Hall and Nash like would almost have to be like singles guys behind yeah. somebody like Luger because Luger is so limited in the ring and limited That's charisma true. wise. You know, like yeah, Lex works in small doses, but I think once you get like two months in, even if they are adding other people into the NWO and they're doing recruiting. Um, if you remember when he was part of the Wolfpack, he was the most awkward and stupid part of the Wolfpack. Yeah. <laughs> so I see. Think- this is where I think the DiBiase uh, addition mm-hmm. then becomes the fourth man becomes a much bigger asset. Sure. I think I kind of think that when they did that in the original version, mm-hmm. because you have Hogan, who's such a good talker, that DiBiase never really got a chance to shine in yeah. that role. Yeah. And if you have someone with the limited, uh, you know, promo abilities like Luger does, I think that gives DiBiase a bigger chance. To they, right, exactly. It, and it makes it him a bigger him deal. Yeah. Than, yeah. And I think that he is so good on the mic that he would be able to carry the, uh, you know, the, the kind of lackluster yeah, the shortcomings uh, promo of, abilities of, that, that Luger has. Of Lex, yeah, for sure, yeah. All right, so that's that's scenario number two. That's scenario number two. Here we go, number now, three. Three is this one. This is the one that I was. I, I was having a hard like, I like the idea, but I was having a hard time piecing together the puzzle. Mm-hmm. But the third person would be Flair. Interesting. Okay. So, the thought process is. Again, someone that is a WCW original Mm -hmm. left and then came back. Mm -hmm. And prior to leaving in 1991, he was kind of starting to get the, oh, you're washed treatment. Mm -hmm. So his reasoning behind doing this would be, I I want to take over and ruin the company that was trying to ruin me. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. And, I mean, there's nobody better at, you know, trying to be a heel than Ric Flair. Yeah, yeah. And the, the only one that, the only reason that I was having a hard time piecing this puzzle together is because he kind of already was a heel, you know, because... Mm-hmm. They're they're trying to redo the Horsemen at this time, um, but he is uh, he's loved. It's Ric Flair. Yeah. Regardless I, of whether he's going to be a, a a babyface or a heel, Ric Flair is going to be loved by that audience. Exactly. Yeah. There's there's parts of that audience that no matter what, two weeks into it would have been like popping for Flair. They wouldn't have been throwing garbage. At Ric Flair, that would have been like, no, we're right behind Jan H, and this is this is a part of Ric Flair's career. I, I think this this is where he really starts to decline. And and it's funny that you say like WCW was trying to push him out in '91. Uh, they weren't trying to push him out in '96. It was like no. it, Ric Flair was drawing houses. He was uh, he was good for television ratings. So um, they were letting him have carte blanche and do whatever he wanted. So like you have that, he had that never ending feud with Savage that year, oh, which, yeah. which did big house show business for them. And they switched the title a million times between the two of them. 
and Flair takes all of uh, you know all of Macho Man's money with Elizabeth, and then they have Woman, and uh, you know the princess herself, Deborah McMichael, was like in the group, and he's drinking champagne at ringside. So I think like I can I can see like it's a little bit tough to like thread him back through and basically say like I'm abandoning all of this fun stuff that I'm doing and now I'm going to be part of the NWL because it would probably inevitably Ric Flair and his sort of control over his character would be like and uh, there's going to be a girl for him and there's going to be a girl for him and then there's going to be yeah. three girls for me and it'll be like almost like he, he could never separate himself from the horseman image of Ric Flair so as much as like you could really um, maybe find. I think this one has a little bit less longevity than uh, than even Luger, yeah. because I think again, two weeks in, that crowd's going to love Flair, and two weeks in, Flair's going to be like, "Well, that crowd loves me. Uh, let's sur- even if I'm a heel, let's surround me with as much like regular Ric Flair shit as I can get." And unless you try, unless you strip that all away. Mm-hmm. You try. You have him take away everything that you loved about Rick. Just be sort of like invert it and bottom it out, where he's like a. I mean, again, with the, using Hogan as a scenario, yeah, you could you could probably you could wash him out. No robes, no belts, new gear, um, and then uh, on Nitro the next night. You have Arn come out to confront him. Oh yeah, and then yeah. there's a big schmoz where they jump, and you have jump the horseman. And you're ready to yeah, laying. exactly. You're ready to to see like a and you know really the, that that actually brings a good scenario because it would elevate guys like Benoit. Yes, it would give McMichael something to do like from the beginning of his horseman stint, and Arn Anderson before he was really out with that neck injury still had some juice left in him. So again, like I think, yeah, you you, you make them kind of a rally babyface team, um, and and put some end up, you know, put some WCW guys behind them. I think what would be funny is again back in ninety 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 one, they were trying to play with Ric Flair's character, yeah, and they were like, well, you got to cut your hair and you got to wear an earring. This would be the time where he's like, you wanted to cut my hair and and give me yeah. an earring. He shaves his head, yeah. in the middle of the ring. And he says, there's no more Ric Flair. There's no more long hair. There's no blondes. You're not coming back to my hotel room. And all right, now I'm starting to see you, where we have see, a and true then, then, anti-Flair. He goes, he does a full 180. Mm-hmm. And now, and the whole, the whole point of the NWO is to take over WCW from within. Mm-hmm. So putting all of the scenarios that I kind of came up with was putting somebody that was wronged by the company in a situation to now destroy it from within. Mm -hmm. And Flair is one where I get like, he's a heel and stuff, but he's the, he was like the antithesis of what the NWO was going up again. So yeah, as, as we have come to learn it, yeah, the antithesis of what it was. So, just essentially doing a plug and play where he does exactly what Hogan does and takes away all of the stuff that everybody loved about him would be, I think that would, that would be an interesting scenario because 
that's something that we never saw from him. That's cool. Yeah. He was always this. It was, I mean, oh, he, he was always, great, he, but he was always the same thing. Exactly. Some variation of that ladies' man, Ric Flair, was was always part of the 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 character, even when he was a babyface. Yeah. The babyface was still talking about how he's a limousine riding, jet flying. Because even, in reality, when he was a heel, he's making you feel bad that you're not the guy mm-hmm. that he is. But then, when he's a babyface, he's making you want to be yep. the guy that he is. That's right. It, it, you come along for do, the ride with me. He's doing the same yeah. gimmick. It's just all about who he's, his or opponent who, is. Yeah, exactly, or who he's, who he's aiming his 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 like. Uh, his vitriol at and his yes. his anger not anger but like his arrogance at so all right so that was number number three, three. so let's go to number four on your uh so chart. for this one this one i just thought would be kind of funny oh, yeah <laughs> so the whole situation is happening we need someone to save it guess who comes off commentary to interrupt this whole situation Dusty. Dusty. Okay. Oh, 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 all right. All right. Dusty drops the elbow on Savage. Oh. And boom. Now we got Dusty. And now this is far past in-ring Dusty. Yeah. So this is strictly like he's the mouth. Like he's he is the one that is organizing Mm -hmm. all of this chaos that is being brought into WCW. He's the ring. He's the mastermind of the whole situation. He's a backstage he, guy. He, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. he's the manager. He's the mouthpiece, but he never has to actually get into the ring. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's like an interesting scenario that you would have never seen because you always want when when you have the heel, you always want him to get his comeuppance. But mm-hmm. if if he's just he he's. While WCW's playing checkers, he's playing chess, and mm-hmm. he's bringing in these pieces from outside. I'm, yeah, I'm the recruiter. I'm the the guy that's bringing. I'm the booker. Yeah, yes. Like, yeah. He's, <laughs> you know, he, he, like a scenario in that situation where, you know, he left for to go to the WWF in yep. the '80s yeah. for, you know, because he was being squeezed out as booker. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that he wound up coming back, but. It's another. It's another guy that had a bone to pick. A little bitterness. You, yep. And so I just thought that that would be a fun one because, goddamn, if we could get Dusty cut and heel promos. So this that, that would be fun TV. Th- now, now that you bring this up, now that you've you've kind of laid this out, uh, he does get. He does. He should get in the ring. At some point, he should get in the ring. I think it. You really build it, and you ramp up the whole like. Uh, I you know, I was the, the the big hero around here before you had Hulk Hogan. You had Dusty Rhodes. Yep. Hulk Hogan stole Dusty Rhodes' uh, swagger. He stole my gimmick. He stole this. He stole that. Eventually, it leads to probably a Starcade match with American Dream versus Hulk Hogan. Now, Which, would would that have worked better in '84 than it would have worked in '96? But Which, I still think there's so, something to do with it. Yeah. So would you know? Uh, when we finally got like Hogan and Flair in '94, yeah, yeah, yeah. When we eventually got uh, Hogan and Warrior at Halloween Havoc '98 <laughs> again, or Hogan and Piper at uh, Halloween Havoc, like, yeah, yeah, all of that stuff. But you're, I, you're rehashing uh, old old memories, yeah, 
but the nostalgia of it would work there. I that think one hundred percent work. And I think that's yeah. Again, that's it's very much uh, that would be very much on par with. Uh, I think, kind of culturally, would be on par with what happened with uh, Hogan's turn, where yes. you would have a lot of people talking. A lot of people in the wrestling business would be like, "Well, Dusty Rhodes is the epitome of the American dream, and now he's." thrown it all away and he said up yours to the fans and up yours to wcw i built this place the one person who would love being in that scenario is goddamn dusty Rhodes. yeah he would and relish the, in it he would because i mean for for lack of a better word he was kind of relegated he was just he was relegated yeah he was where like you're just you're, third guy you're on the microphone the silly, yeah you're the silly guy on the microphone saying mm-hmm. a bunch of cr- wild stuff and if you get him cutting those serious promos as a as a a shit heel that mm-hmm. has these two heaters to fight his battle. Oh yeah. For, yeah. Oh and I, more I, and that's I would the, love to see that. And that's the whole thing in Dusty Rhodes, I'm the Pied Papa baby and like everybody wants to work for Dusty. And that's when you start to get you get people turning heel. Like that's where you could see like somebody like Buff Bagwell turning heel and or um you know, any of the, the kind of underneath guys like being like, well, Dusty's going to put you under his wing, baby. Scott Steiner is yep. my guy. Like, you could certainly see Dusty as like the guy and give him a prominent role. So you don't need DiBiase at this point. Um, you just have Dusty as the guy who, and you don't need Bischoff. Frankly, like Dusty in that position, even though Bischoff grew into better. it better, but Dusty yeah. there would be better and it would make more sense as a wrestling storyline than anything else. I, I get that, you know, once. Uh, one, once Bischoff turned, then they kind of like do the slow play of, oh, well, he's like the executive producer, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. But no one really was like the casual fan didn't know that. They weren't wrapping like, their heads around this, that. Why is this guy who commentates on Saturday <laughs> night, like WCW Saturday <laughs> night, why is this guy, yeah. you know, turning in, and being in the NWO? So, but when Dusty does it, that's like, oh, shit. Yeah. 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 Dusty Rhodes. The American Dream. We're in trouble. Right? <laughs> I uh, this is right now. Uh, I love the Sting one. The Sting one is always in my mind. Like, what if Sting had done this? Dusty's a close second right now. I like I like this Dusty. Also, you know what? I came around to to Dark Side Ric Flair too. <laughs> um. So let's see what number five. If number right, five is enough. something like Doink the Clown, then uh, I'm gonna cut off recording it's, now. It's Mabel. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, the the final one, and there was rumors of the jump happening, and it would be Bret Hart. Yeah, oh, boy. If yep. you got a real, if you got ninety seven heel Bret Hart, yeah. A year earlier, he ju- he actually does jump ship, and again, that's a guy. Now, so. Paul and Nash, you have two guys who were WCW guys, went to the WWF and mm-hmm. became stars. Yep. And Bret Hart comes in as the guy on the other channel. Yeah. And he's like, I orchestrated this whole thing. I brought them in here. I've so never yeah, can I, take over. Yeah, I sent them first and now we're yeah, yeah, you're right. Now we're taking over. And now um Again, like then you really have like the new generation WWF that they had been hyping. Three biggest, three of I would say three of the four biggest guys. Yeah. Now you have them 
and this is a this is a scenario where obviously it couldn't have this one couldn't have actually happened um but this is the one where it makes it it really make now it's like okay this is WWF is coming in and they're they're taking WCW over mm-hmm. like they're this is really ha- and now this this would really get people talking because I think so yeah yeah at the time Brett was the biggest guy I mean Sean's the champ they try and do the switch but and now that is another that's a that's another uh you know um uh bone that Brett has to pick well well oh the, you didn't think I was the guy? Well, I'm coming over here. Mm-hmm. I'm taking over the competition. That's right. I'm going to prove to you that I'm the guy. And then we're going to come back there and we're going to take you over. That's right. Yeah, little shots fired across two television shows. Thing with Brett also is when you look at the, the babyface roster of WCW in 96. Like, I know we got there in 97, started wrestling matches in 98. But... Yeah. I don't know when did it, like him and Sting didn't touch until like Wait. later in ninety eight, yeah. maybe even into ninety nine. So you've got like Brett and Sting is Brett and Sting would be that's what I'm saving for Starcade, you know, and I'm that's going to be my match at Starcade. Or you could finally have Brett and Hogan. You definitely have Brett and Hogan. You could he definitely always wanted that. You know, a good, you know, a good year of having like the best of sat or not the best of savage, but a, a capable Randy Savage still oh, yeah. lingering still around. Good. You'd never really had Luger uh, aside from a couple shows. You never really had Luger and Brett um, in the WWF. You had, no. the, they were, they were circling each other, but they never mm-hmm. really had the long-term program. And then, and from everything you've heard or read in interviews, uh, Kevin Nash got along with Brett really well, love working with Brett and, and, you know, would do business. So eventually, like when you when you need to turn them, those guys are ready to do business with each other because they had great yep. matches in WWF on pay per view, and um, and of course, like again, I think it's another guy that that elevates uh, the work rate of the company itself, and maybe you have a chance to get Benoit in the main event sooner. Maybe you have a chance to get Malenko or Mysterio like up in the because it's not like you have Hogan who's like, well, I got to beat all these guys, so why even put you know the Vanilla Midgets anywhere near me? You know, I'm a work rate guy. Give me work rate guys and and look what I can do with them. And yeah, that could have changed the whole landscape of WCW. Could have been put into fast forward. I think that has a chance more than anybody else, even more than Hogan making that turn. I think Bret Hart would have had the chance to really like put the WWF in their rearview mirror oh, and win these Monday Night Wars. Instead of just plucking the 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 old WWF guys mm-hmm. and like old in terms of age and making them the main because that's essentially what they did oh, in yeah. WCW was yeah. they took the guys who were stars and were on their last legs and they put them in the main event. You laterally moved when, them Exactly, and you're not, you're just rehashing shit. You're not building anyone new. These yeah. guys are already stars. Yep. But, and Hogan is not going to work with anyone who doesn't have main event status. So not that's why they brought in guys like Piper. Oh, yeah. yeah because, Warrior and, and because, all because that. Because it's yeah. like, who's, who's going to work with Hogan? You're not going to have 
fucking DD like at the time like DDP's not getting in the ring with Hogan yeah. like he's not going to give him the shot to to get over so Brett is a guy that would get in the ring with anybody and would is arguably a top five wrestler ever of course yeah an in-ring guy that that again just elevates everybody's in-ring around him and knows and how to time, knows how to make time, people stars too at the time we hadn't seen true we've seen heel brett but he never he always had when when brett was a heel in wwf he had jimmy hart to talk for him mm-hmm. yeah and now you get to see him because a year later he's doing what i think is the best work the best his work, entire yeah. career yeah so he has a chance to do that a year earlier and really jumpstart the monday night wars and like you said i think there would have been more jumps yeah over i think Brett jumping, maybe Sean jumps when his contract's up. Well, yeah, you know what I mean, and it just, I, I think that they, re- it, things could have went flip flopped, mm-hmm. and WCW could have been the company acquiring the top. WWF. Yeah, and you, and I think also with Hogan not in the spotlight, um, as the main guy of the he, the you know the the heel turn in in the NWO, Hogan goes back to WWF, you know, by ninety seven or ninety eight anyway. Um, would he fit in there? Probably not. <laughs> like, but no. uh, maybe you could have figured out a way to make him fit there. But I think Brett in '96 in WCW is a lot more appealing than. I mean, I, I don't want to say like because Brett ended up. You, you're right. He had like probably his best heel run and and maybe his best run as an overall character the next year in '97, like leading up to that WrestleMania and then having the match with Austin and coming out of it as as a full fledged heel. But as good as that was, that's a year afterwards. He's in better shape. He's he'd be much more like game for it. Yep. When you when you say like we're you, you know you're doing a takeover angle here, and we're gonna make you number one heel, and you're gonna you have all these guys that you now can work with, and then here's this you have all these main event guys, and and you're gonna go over all these main event guys. Believe me. But then here's this other crop of guys underneath that you're going to be able to make and you're going to be able to team up with and go against and, and uh, yeah. yeah. And so at that, that point, cool we scenario. hadn't seen him since WrestleMania. That's right, yeah. So he, after Mania, he took all that time off and didn't pop back up until uh, like Survivor Series or whatever. Yeah, it would have been like so, that, that October, yeah. So, yeah. so, you know, you haven't seen him in a while and this almost makes a logical sense because it's like oh did he leave mm-hmm. like he, he hasn't been yeah, on he hasn't WF been here, TV. Yeah. it's yeah. not like it's not like he's fresh off so that I, I think that that would make it seem even more you know like a shoot kind of deal yeah very interesting so I, I think that 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 was my favorite okay of the of the scenarios because um, I just think you know I he's one of my favorites ever and yeah him in that scenario I I would have loved to see it. It would have been gold, yeah. Um, I'm just trying to think of anybody else that, that we missed. I would have, like, if I was going to do this scenario, and I, you know, had a couple of notes written down, it was going to be Sting, and it would have been, okay. you know, basically, like, very similar to, I don't think I would have made him the Crow Sting, per se, but very much like it. And I, I would take the makeup off him. You know, that... Uh, and it's that, like, like you got <sighs> Kevin Nash has, using his real name... Scott Hall using his real name. I'm Steve Borden. I come here to wrestle. I come here to beat your guys. And 
you know, and you've got Sting for, and it ultimately like you just have it, you get Sting and Hogan sooner than having to wait until Starcade '97 to do it. Yeah, because it would be, and it would, in, in my estimation, it would be you would be telling Hogan like, listen, do business. Let Sting go over because we've got a red hot angle here, and he needs to do it. Also, like the the way that I thought about it is Sting starts to bring over like the guys that are again like somebody like DDP would make sense in the NWO at that point because he'd be like, hey, listen, I came up with Stinger, I was working with Hall and Nash when I was a manager. I'm gonna be here with, and he would be a heel in the NWO. So you'd have yeah. you'd have him as the foundation. You could still have uh, six. You could probably have the giant, but I would I would say like maybe you have kind of a, a super team with the giant and Hogan defending WCW, yeah. and you got Hall, Nash, Dallas Page, Sting, uh, and and again you start to bring a few other people as they start to actually win. You know, not not by the like the the mega force that that you know that Hogan's version of the NWO did, but more with the. Um, Hey, they recruited one of our guys, so they must be convincing. There must be a strength in numbers thing that they're going for, and you'd have a lot more people that would be conv- eventually be convinced to come over to that version of the NWO. And uh, and but still, I'm very I'm very intrigued by <laughs> Dusty Rhodes being the Pied Piper too. So it's very yeah, yeah it's it, it's very cool stuff. And it again, it's it. There's a million scenarios that you could think of that. You know, even if it wasn't just like, hey, let's just imagine who the third man is. You know, you could imagine like, well, how long how long is it supposed to last? Should it have lasted three years or or whatever? You know, however long it ran out. You know, I, I will always debate that they went on too long and they split those factions. A, they split those factions too late, and they did it in such a sloppy way that you just had the same main event guys that had yeah. been there from the beginning of it, they're still dicking around. It's still Savage. It's still Sting. It's still Luger and Hogan and Hall and Nash. And change the, you know, change the lineup, change the scenario, and get some more people in there. So, and I, I also think that just consistently and piling on and piling on and piling on and mm-hmm. adding everybody to it, really detracted yeah. from the specialness of it. Yes. When you have a, a small group of guys that is running roughshod over an entire company, it makes them seem so much more badass yeah. than when you add fucking IRS and Virgil into it. <laughs> and, you know, they're, they're, they're fucking wrestling Mike Enos. Yeah. Like, we don't need this. Right. We don't like, need yeah. this. Out of the second match on, on Nitro doesn't have to be an NWO guy versus a lower card guy just because he was NWO this week. Like yeah. Big Bubba turning NWO made no sense. No. Um, I also, and I didn't really uh, think about it all that much, but I w- had heard an, on you know some YouTube clip they were talking about obviously how Hogan's a complete liar, and uh, I guess his when they were, go- were first coming to him to pitch the NWO. His whole thing was like, yeah, it's cool that we have like Hall and Nash, but I want the Nasty Boys and Brutus Beefcake. Oh, <laughs> and I want them in my well, faction. Unfortunately, we got Brutus Beefcake. <laughs> Eventually, you got Brutus Beefcake in it. Um, and I think at the very beginning, the Nasty Boys were like, yeah, we're going to join it. And then somebody. Oh, in, yes. 
Somebody yes. in the somebody in the booking <laughs> committee was like, "This is the stupidest thing in the world. Get these fucking fat nasty boys the fuck out of here." And yeah. beefcake sucks. And you've tried the booty man. Uh, you know, you you just brought him back, Zodiac. and he was heel turn Zodiac and Butcher Man and all that other shit. Uh, they were like, "No, no, no. We're not. We can't have it your way." Uh, Terry Jean, you have to play by <laughs> our roles. Uh, give us something to work with, and you can be the big bad heel and. But yeah, imagine how shitty it would have been over in like three months if it was forget three months. I think it would have three weeks if it was the Nasty Boys and and Brutus. Oh uh, my god, tagging along for I know. Well, well, this is Hogan. Listen, Um, I love the Nasty Boys, but not in that situation. Not at all. No. All right. Well, that yeah, that that'll wrap up this episode. I think we uh, we we certainly honored the NWO as much as possible. Um, yep, July is for sure NWO month. July is NWO month. Uh, next year around this time, we'll have another NWO discussion, and we'll uh, rebooking the Wolfpack. We'll rebook, <laughs> rebook the Wolfpack, but it can only be uh, guys that are from uh, you know that aren't the stars. So like, you know, you rebooking bring, the NWO from WWE. Yeah, oh, bring in Coco Beware. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyway. Um, so yeah, this is a very good one. We got a uh, another episode coming up in a couple weeks. Uh, this is one of our uh, rebook the card episodes, so you certainly want to pay attention. I think we had a very good successful run with rebooking those WrestleManias, and uh, get ready for us to be rebooking some bad SummerSlams. So let's juice up some SummerSlams. Um, but for uh, for Tommy Schultz, this is uh, Mike Madden, and the absentee uh, Matt Geiger is also in our uh, in our posse. So we hope to see you guys uh, or hear from you guys very soon, and uh, have a great night.